good. We got a we got a we got a miracle baby here today too, huh? That's uh that was uh, an answered prayer. Amen. For you and Rowan. So what a what a what a blessing. What a blessing. Well, I want to uh, just take a few minutes and uh, kind of talk about a little bit about hope again. I have no idea what uh, Greg preached about last week. I have no idea what Ronnie preached about during communion last week, but I heard it was good. So I, I saw you guys prayed and, and had a great time. Um, I'm going to open your Bibles to uh, Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2. You may have to look in the front of your Bible to find out where Hosea is. I know that. That's okay. Uh, It is among the prophets. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Uh, I I just used the song I learned as a kid. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Joel, Whatever helps you remember. (laughs) You know, we had a great week. Um, We got to participate in some different things as well as fishing and and shooting. Uh, I'm not as good with a 9mm as my wife, um, so if you break into my house and I have a 9mm, just go ahead and keep coming. You're safe. <laughs> I'm not going to hit you, uh, but I was better with the 22 Magnum, so uh, a lot less kick on that thing, so a little 22 Magnum handgun. Uh, I don't know anything about guns, uh, but uh, my dad and Charlie shoot them now, and Pretty fun to do something different with my dad. So, um, we we also were able to go to uh, the School of Supernatural. They have a school at Victory Christian, the Four Square Church. There, uh, they have a. It meets once uh, month, once a week on Tuesday nights from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, they have about 130 students total in the in the School of Supernatural. Uh, their church is about 700 or so people. Um, they have. Two years of the school where they train them in the Bethel School of Supernatural. Um, they had about 90 students in the first first group and about 35 or plus or so in, in the second year. And they're being trained in uh, leadership. They're being trained in, in um, you know, supernatural ministry of all kinds. They do treasure hunts where they go out and just get words of knowledge and pray for people and do all kinds of street ministry and all kinds of stuff like that. They see people healed and touched all the time. Uh, so we were able to participate in, in that and just kind of get, you know, a sense of what, what God is doing, what God could do in, in a different uh, type of environment, just, uh, you know, to experience that. I also got to pray at their healing rooms um, uh, on Wednesday night. They do healing rooms every Wednesday night. Um, they don't have a Wednesday night gathering. They have a Friday night renewal service um, is their other gather, big gathering during the week. Um, they have all kinds of stuff during the week. But it was interesting, that just being at the healing room, uh, there were nine people that came through. So their healing room is very similar to ours. It's not, a, you know, there's not a hundred people lined up. It's just, you know, they usually have between six and twelve people that come to get prayed for. And uh, I was paired up with, uh, well, some lady that I didn't know. Um, <laughs> And I'm, she was great. I was glad she was there because I'm like, all right, I'll just let you take the lead. And Pastor John, this is Pastor John. I'm like, well, that's fine. You can go ahead and pray. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting. We prayed for two young young girls. Uh, they were both sisters. Had you know, I won't go into their issues, but uh, I want to th- I want to share this one story to encourage you. So it was just so matter of fact. We talked to this girl. There was no 
we said, here's your issues. And she had been having uh, nightmares at night, and she began to see demons in her room. And so she had opened a door. She had done some things to open a door. She explained that. And so we worked on closing that door in her life. Um, and so we prayed with her. She wasn't crying. She wasn't shaking. She was, there wasn't anything. It was just, oh, thank you very much for praying for me. Goes back out. And we're like, great. And then we got her sister next. And uh, she had younger sister, had a little bit more serious issues. Had dealt with suicide, depression. Um, but the first one... And I don't know what happened with her. They both said they were touched. But the first girl, like, you know, it was like, I was like, I don't know what happened. You know, you pray for somebody and there were some good prayers. And, uh, but it didn't feel like anything was happening. And so my dad is kind of the outside guy. He kind of greets people and ministers to them outside. He's kind of, you know, a welcoming person. Helps organize it out there. Him and Charlie normally do that. Um, and so he's telling me, yeah, I talked to... Whatever her name was, I don't remember her name either. Um, and she said, "Oh yeah, when you, when you guys were praying for her, she she had this vision of Jesus. She had a vision, and Jesus came and removed stuff from her eyes and said, you won't see those things anymore.' And I was like, "Oh, well, I didn't. It didn't seem like anything was happening. And so you don't know when you pray, you need to pray with faith." You know, sometimes we pray with sight. We pray and we're waiting. We're like, man, there's something happening with this person. And, so, uh, and sometimes you can tell, and that's good. Sometimes the Holy Spirit lets you know. But sometimes you don't know. I was like, well, it was good. It seemed like a good prayer. But, you know, I didn't know she was having a vision right there. A powerful vision where Jesus came and touched her and delivered her. I believe she won't see those things anymore. I mean, I did pray for her. That I said, look, you have a gift you can see in the Spirit. So God's going to show you the good. He's going to show you what He wants you to see. And if He wants you to see a demon, He can do that. But it's not going to be to torment you. It's going to be because you're in char- you know, God's in charge and showing you what you can overcome and take authority over. And so, you know, we never know what's going to happen. So when you're praying for someone, I encourage you, don't, don't sometimes so think, oh, I wonder what happened. You know, just believe that God's doing something when you're praying. We need to believe that when I'm praying for someone, something is happening. And rather than question yourself, well, you know, uh, no, go ahead and go for it. When you pray, something happens. Pray with faith. So that's, that's just my encouragement with, from you from the trip. There was all kinds of other things, nice and restful and relaxing uh, a majority of the time. Uh, but I want to talk about hope today. We talked about hope a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, faith, hope, and love are mentioned together. I think there's a, there's a tie in there. I've been thinking about, you know... Faith is kind of like our spiritual eyes. Love is our spiritual heart. And I think hope is our spiritual breath. You know, if we don't have one or the other, we're, we're missing something in our, in our spiritual life that we need them. It says, of course, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So you've got to have the heart. But you need faith and you need hope as well. And if you lose hope, then you're not going to have much faith. And you're probably not going to love very much. You know, if you lose one, any, any of those three, you know, it says these three remain. So there's something important about those three when it says that in 1 Corinthians. And so, as I started the year, this is the scripture that touched my heart first. When I began to read my Bible this year, I, I decided to... I made you all a great plan. I looked that up and got that already, but I, I, I just felt like I wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, so I'm not reading the Bible plan for the church. I encourage you to read it. It is giving you a great overview uh, if you started it, you thought, man, this is just reading through Genesis, but now you're already in Deuteronomy because you only read one chapter in Leviticus. 
So those of you that are following that plan, jump in at any time. It will give you an overview of the entire Bible and give you the story from creation to ultimate redemption in heaven. It will give you the big picture of what's going on in the scriptures. I think it's a great plan. But the Lord spoke to me, and I just felt like, you know, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to start in Genesis. I don't want to start in Matthew. I don't want, you know, I've, I've read... You know, I've read the Bible before several times, at least once, right? You know, many years I've read the Bible and read most of it through New Testament several times, a year sometimes, whatever. And so I'm like, I'm going to start, I'm just going to start this year differently. I wouldn't even say it was God. I just said, I'm just going to start differently. So I'm like, I'm starting in Hosea. <laughs> I'm just going to start in Hosea. I'm going to read through the, the prophets first. and Because normally that's where you get in the middle of the year when you're like, Getting a little bit behind in your Bible reading, and then you get to Jeremiah, and you're like, oh, no. (laughs) Those chapters are really long, and it's tough reading in Jeremiah. It's not as easy as reading Psalms or, you know, the book of Luke or something. It it is a little more challenging. So I I was like, I'll start in Hosea, and I'm going to start in, you know, Ephesians in the New Testament. I'm just going to read through to the end, and then I'll go back and get the others. So I started in Hosea, so the first day, January 1st, this is the scripture that I had never seen before in the book of Hosea. And it's this. Um, The book of Hosea, let me give you a little bit of background, is a very challenging book. Because basically God comes to Hosea and says, I want you to marry someone who's already been unfaithful and she's going to be unfaithful to you. So here's your wife. Hey, let me look. You know, she's going to cheat on you and multiple times. And in fact, it's going it, to she's going to be so cheap. She's going to be just like a just like a prostitute, basically. But she's not going to take money. She's going to do it for free. And God was giving a picture of Hosea being God and his wife Gomer being the people who kept committing adultery spiritually against God, yet he kept loving them and taking them back. It's a very powerful book. So that's, that's the theme of Hosea. is all about God's heart for his people and how even though they're unfaithful, he keeps, keeps taking them back. He keeps forgiving them. This is it's really deep in the heart of God in the book of Hosea. So I encourage you to maybe check it out. Um, so it says this, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word. So as I was reading in chapter 2, so it's talking about, you know, they have children, and then she, you know, they have children together, and then she runs off, and they come back, they have children again, she runs off again, he brings her back. Man, that's, isn't that, that's just an amazing picture of the heart of God. It doesn't matter how many times you've cheated on God, He's going to come back for you. He'll, he'll bring you back in. That's God's heart. That's love. That's, that's the love of God right there. That's agape love. The unconditional love. That's also the love that God says, hey, that's how everybody's going to recognize you because they're going to recognize me. They'll know you by your love. That's the mark of a believer is that love. God, I need it more. Amen? <laughs> I need it more. So as it's going through this, we get to chapter 2, verse 14. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the scriptures as we read them. Verse, so we're picking up right in the middle. I'm just getting you the part that hit me. Therefore, so she's gone away. 
Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. Remember, this is God's talking to his wife who has been unfaithful over and over again. There I will give her back her vineyards. And I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Then she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. And it was that phrase right there, the door of hope, that caught me. I'm like, man, that's, I've never seen that before. I know I've read it. I've read Hosea at least, I don't know, several times in my life. I've never seen this verse before. And I'm like, well, what is the, you know, he says there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And so we have to go back and figure out what is the valley of Achor because there's must be something that that means something there because God's changing that from what that represents to a door of hope, to a place, an entrance into hope where it wasn't there before. In other words, it's going to be where there was no hope, there was nothing of good going on into a place where there's an entrance into confident expectation of good because that's what hope is, confident expectation of good. I love the song selections today, Lisa, because, you know, there's like today is the day because everything you have for me is good, you know. Uh, Holy Spirit, I want to be aware of your glory and your goodness. Make me aware of that. So God's been talking about that. That's what hope is. It's expecting the good rather than fearing the bad. And so here's what the Valley of Achor is. Valley of Achor goes back to a man named Achan. Anybody remember Achan from the story of Joshua? Okay, well, I'm going to tell, briefly tell it to you. So we all know the story of Jericho, right? Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. You know that one, Sarah? <laughs> so, you know, there's the amazing victory, and God says, march around the city, and, and you're going to be quiet, and the last day you march around seven times, and you shout, and the walls are going to fall down. And so the walls fall down, and God says, hey, don't take anything from the city. You're supposed to destroy it all. But there was one guy who took a couple things. He said, man, there's a nice robe. Man, I really like that. And there's a little bit of money there. And was there something else? At least those two things. And he, he took them and hid them in his tent. His name was Achan. And so then the Israelites are looking at the next city. The next city is Ai. One of the, you know, shortest city names in, ever. Ai. <laughs> and that's how you say it. Ai. And so they got, man, Ai, compared to Jericho, Ai is nothing. You know, it's like, you know, you're attacking Midland and then you're going to go to, I don't know. No trees. <laughs> trying to, anybody from no trees? Okay, so just some little, some little tiny place compared to the big city of Jericho, okay? And so, <clears throat> you know, they go, we don't even need the whole army. We'll just go take AI to me, no problem. And so, you know, they, they send out the army and then they... They get beaten, right? They go out there and they start attacking Ai. They only send 3,000 people. That's all we need. It's more than enough. I mean, it was more than enough, too. It wasn't, they didn't lose because they didn't take enough people. They lost because they'd sinned. And God says, I can't give you victory anymore. There's sin in the camp. So they went. 36 people were killed. They come back. Everybody's moaning again. Oh, God! How could you do this to us? Oh, God, it's all your fault. Why do we always blame God? 
I don't know. God always gets blamed. Usually it's, it's somebody else's fault. When somebody else hurts you in your life, that's not God's fault. That's their fault. You get to forgive them, but you don't need to blame God. But we do blame God. That's just human nature, it seems like. So, you know, everybody's ah, crying out to God. And Joshua's like, oh, God. He tears his robes and says, God, how have you abandoned us? And God's like, get up, man. What's wrong with you? It's <laughs> my translation. Get up. There's sin in the camp. It's not, you know, you don't need to worship more. You don't need to get on your face and tear your robes. You don't need to pray more. You need to take care of the problem. And so they have a whole way of casting lots and finding out who it is. And finally Achan stands before and they say, Give glory to God. Tell us what you've done, man. What's going on? And he says, Well, I took the stuff and I buried it in my tent. And so in that time, because Jesus had not yet died... You have to read the Old Testament because it's pre-cross. Him and his whole family had to die. That's how, that's how serious God is about sin. When, God, when Jesus came, it was a serious issue to deal with sin. We don't, we don't have to deal with that effect because what? Jesus has already come. So we thank, praise the Lord we're not killing each other every time we mess up, Right? Oh, you screwed up, sent in the camp, boom, let's go out and throw him in the ditch and kill him. But without Jesus, that's the effect of sin, is death. And so Achan and all his family are, are destroyed. Then what happens? They go to attack Ai, they have victory. And so that valley that they were in, where Achan and his family were killed, became known as the Valley of Achor. So now we go back to our scripture here, which says this. It says, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. So what God is saying in that, in that scripture right there is He's speaking to His people through Hosea. He's speaking to Hosea about His people. He's saying this. At your worst point, the worst thing in your life, the most rebellious thing in your life, the most destructive thing in your life, the most terrible thing in your life, the, the most hard thing in your life. In that thing, I'm going to open a door of hope. I'm going to open a door of hope. That's powerful. You know, sometimes those things that happen in our lives, it could be our fault like Aiken, or it could be somebody else. You know, it's, it's, it, becomes, it becomes known as something. It becomes, you know, we, we, we call that the thing, you know. Uh, you know, my dad was uh, talking to me. Well, I guess he wouldn't mind me telling you this. It doesn't matter. He's not here. <clears throat> so, you know, talking a little bit about my, my mom's death and, you know, how he, he began to call that journey that they went on the great sadness. And he felt like the Lord at some point came to him and said, I want you to stop calling that the great sadness. I don't remember what he said to call it. <laughs> but the point was, out of that, God says, I'm going to open a door of hope that you can walk through. You know, in the New Testament, 
So sometimes we need, to, we need to change how we refer to things that have happened in our lives. We need to, you know, because God's saying, look, we're not going to call that the Valley of Acor anymore. That's going to be the door of hope. You know, that was a point in, the, in Israel's history, in the people of God's history, that was, that was a point of, of failure. It was a, fail, a point of great destruction, of great distress. And God says, there, there's the place I'm going to open a door of hope. Now, the New Testament, when we go to the New Testament, it talks a little bit about this. Romans chapter 5 talks about hope. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Well, I'll, I'll just read one, but it won't be on the screen there for you. So, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith, there it is, by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Oops. Why did God put that there? <laughs> That's not in the American gospel, is it? <laughs> but we rejoice... In our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance or endurance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You know, and I've, I've, I've come to this scripture and I, and I, I get the first two points, uh, get the first section there of it where it says, look, suffering produces perseverance. Hey, when you're going through a challenge, when you're going through a hard time, if you make it through, if you don't die, if you don't give up, you persevere, you endure. And so I, I get, hey, that gives you strong endurance. It's like you, you're pushing through something. It's like if you learn to run in the, against the wind... You're going to have better endurance. You're going to have do better at the 5K, Greg. You know, when you run uphill, when you're, you have something against you, you, you gain endurance in yourself. And so spiritually, how we gain perseverance and endurance is to suffer, is to go through hard things. God says, look, I have to give you endurance because I want you to run the race. I want you to finish the race. I want you to get to where I've called you to be. But you're going to need to persevere. You're going to need to hold on. You're going to need to not give up. And so, in order for you not to give up, to have the spiritual breath and not be out of breath and give up and say, oh, I can't run that far. You're going to have to go through something hard to gain endurance. Suffering produces perseverance in our lives. It says we get to rejoice in it too. I'm not sure, not sure about that, God, right? <laughs> we rejoice in our sufferings because the only way you rejoice in suffering is, know, is having a view beyond now. You have, faith always has a view beyond where I am right now. It's saying there's something there. And hope gives me the, the, the energy to say, there it is. I know it's there. I'm going to keep going. If I don't have hope, I give up. So I, get, I, I understand that. I think we understand that. And then it says perseverance produces character. Okay, I can, I can get that. You know, at, when you go through something hard and you endure, 
You, you grow and you have a stronger character. You've got a proven character, as it says in some translations. Proven character. It's, it's proven. Hey, you can withstand something. You can go through the fire like the guys in the fiery furnace and you didn't get burned. You were, you were brought through by the fourth man, the one who stood with the three and said, come along with me. I'm going I'm to rescue you. I'm going to bring you through this. You're going to go through the Red Sea. I'm going to part the way. It's going to be hard, but you're going to make it through. You will make it through on the other side. And so you have a, a proven character. Your, your endurance is there. You're, you're stronger spiritually. You've grown. Then it says that character produces hope. You know, and I, I, I've, never, I've never just thought about that one. Have you ever? We just say it, I think. And you probably already knew this. So I'm, you know, you're, I'm probably learning something that you already knew. Maybe. But it's kind of like, you think about that, well, how, does, how does character produce hope? Why, why, is, why does hope not come right after you've made it through? Like, you know, you persevere, you go, yeah! Or you, you had to have hope to persevere, right? Or, you know, how, do, how does that... And it was, this is what the, the Lord, Lord told me, and I'll, I'll submit it to you. When you go through something, you're changed. It's only when you're changed that you can see differently. So when your character is changed, when God forms you and, and molds you to become more like Jesus, that's why hope is produced because you're not the same person you were before. You see differently than you were before. That's why character produces hope because it's, it's newness. There's newness in your life. You're a different person now so you can hope because you're going to have more hope because you are a different person. You have changed. You have grown. And so, if you have no hope, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to change. There's going to be something in your life that's going to have to change. That's why someone who's stuck in a cycle, they don't ever have hope. Why? Because they're the same person. They're still the same as they were. So they view life the same way. They react to things the same way. They filter things. What's going on around them the same way. But when you go through it and you endure and you persevere and you're changed, you look at life differently. Now you have hope. Now you say, I've been through it, I've been changed, and now I have hope to face something else. And so I've grown. And so you have to grow, you have to change in order to have hope in your life. And in order to get there, God says, hey, you're going to have to go through something hard. I'm sorry. It's in the Scriptures. You know, our country, man, it's getting crazy, isn't it? It's getting crazy, man. This election is like the most wild thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't know. I haven't been alive that long. You know, I only remember the elections from 84 on. I only remember Reagan whipping Mondale. That was the first one I remember, you know, when I was seven, eight years old. You know, I was like, wow, there's a lot of red on the screen there. You know, how come only one of them's blue? <laughs> you know, I, that these, you know, and... And different people have been elected and there's been surprise, but this is, is certainly, there's, there's, there's stirring on the earth right now. I mean, there's, it's, it's going wild. We, we, we better get ready for a ride. And we better not give in to fear. We need to have confident expectation of good that God is going to bring us through. Now, look, he didn't say I'm going to bring you through unscathed. He's going to say you're going to, you might suffer. You might suffer some things. But you're going you're gonna to have hope. It's going to produce, ultimately produce hope in you. 
So that, this is one of the promises of God. It's not the one we want to have, right? I want the happier ones, God. I want the happier promises. But no, this is a promise of God that says, look, I promise you that you will be challenged. I promise you that you will have trials. I promise you that it will not be easy. You know, I just want it to be easy. I'm sorry. Don't you? Don't you just want your marriage to be easy? Don't you want raising kids just to be easy? Don't you want, you know, moving on into the, the season where your kids are at your house and you're looking at your wife and going, who are you? Because we've poured our lives into our kids. Don't you want that season to be easy? Retiring, don't you want that season to be easy? Growing old? Er? <laughs> we want that season to be easy? You know, it seems like there's, there's always something going on, right? There's always, there's always a trial. There's always something going on. But God's like, look, I promise that. This is one of my promises you can quote, but it doesn't stop there. I don't stop with the suffering. I don't, I, that's not where God ends, ends the quote. The end quote is on hope. Amen. The end quote ends on, you'll have hope. You'll believe. And you'll be filled with the love of God like you've never dreamed. So that's simply my encouragement to you today. Is I don't know where you're at. You might not be at that place right now. You might not be at the, the, the point of pushing through something right now. You might not be in the valley that's been defined by some terminology because of that. But you might be there and God's saying, look, right there. Bing. Look for the door. Look for that door. There is a door there. There's a door of hope. You've got to open it. You've got to turn the knob. But there is a door. Let's pray. Lord, we just, we just thank you right now. Lord, I just pray for every single one of us. Lord, wherever we are, whether we're right in the middle of the valley or whether that's just long gone and we're just, things are going good right now. But... Prepare our hearts, God. Prepare our hearts for what's coming into our lives. We, there's unexpected things that happen that in all of our lives, and some of them are more challenging than others. Lord, when, it just doesn't matter, Lord. There's a, there's a surprise. They come at us and we're surprised. Help us be able to see your door. Help us be able to see what you're doing. Help us be able to connect to your heart, God. The heart that's in the book of Hosea that says, I'm going to keep coming after you. Lord, help us, those of us that have just failed miserably in our lives. We've just failed and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed. Our life is just the valley of acorns. It's just a bunch of failures. Help us realize that you've got a door. Open our eyes to that door. Those of us who are in the middle of the suffering, the trial, the, the tribulation right now. Lord, help us persevere. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, I just pray for anybody in this room who is wanting to give up. Whether that's give up hope, whether that's give up on their life, maybe even give up on living. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for hope to be stirred. Lord, that you would breathe your breath of life right now into every single heart that says, no, there is hope. This is not the end. 
I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pressing in. I'm not just going to say, it. Eh, never mind. I'm going to press in to what you want. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for hope in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your grace in our lives. And we bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you need prayer, uh, please come on up. If you need prayer for anything we've spoken of, uh, be blessed. Find somebody who needs hope and maybe even open that door for them this week.